Hey everyone, thanks for joining us, uh, Hope Church Online. Uh, my name's Ian, I'm one of the elders at the church, along with my friend Adam Northcroft. Uh, he leads the church here. Just wanted to bring a few things to your attention before uh, we get into the, the text that we're looking at today. I just wanted to invite you to the murder mystery evening that's happening via Zoom next Saturday, that's the 16th of May. Um, I think it starts at eight o'clock. Uh, check out our website and our social media platforms for more information over the next week or so. Um, coming up this Tuesday is the monthly evening prayer meeting. Can I encourage as many as you as possible to come to the prayer meeting as we gather together as a church? Uh, come as connect groups together to pray for the whole church. So we're gonna be praying, uh, obviously, for all that's going on at the moment, uh, but we're also gonna be praying for the nations. We're gonna be praying for Berlin. Hopefully we should be joined by Pete Benton, who's leading the church plant out there. Um, we're gonna be praying for Jeremy and Laura, a couple we've been supporting as a church for many years now, and looking to move from their church plant in um, Bethlehem in South Africa to Kenya. Uh, but they're currently residing in the UK, so we're hopefully going to hear from them and pray for them as well. Uh, we uh, will also just be just seeking God for what is next and praying for the nation. I just really urge you to come. I, I think as you look through the New Testament, um, the corporate prayer time are, are the engine rooms on which evangelism, church planting, care for the poor... Uh, teaching, preaching, raising up of leaders are all birthed out of God's people giving corporate, earnest prayer to God. Almost like a scrum in rugby, to gathering together, gathering momentum when we gather together to pray. There needs to be a move of God in this nation and beyond. So let's church gather together, thank him for what he's done, for what he's doing. Um, but let's seek him also for what's next. Also, uh, this week is significant. It is a year this weekend since we launched the 4 p.m. service weekly. Uh, God, in his mercy, has given us a bit of a break at the moment. Uh, hard work it has been over the last year, but it's been great. Um, we've seen some amazing things over the last year. We've seen people give their lives to Jesus in the 4 p.m. service. We've seen healings. Uh, just remember in particular where two young people came forward for healing in their hips and they both got healed at the same time. We've had baptism services as well, uh, seeing young people baptised um, and just been a great time of God doing stuff through that service. It's a significant moment in the life of, the, of Hope Church, has never had two services before. And we're just looking forward to uh, when we can all get back to meeting together, the 4pm will return and God will add to it and do great things through it. Uh, I just wanted to take this time as well um, on behalf of the church really to thank people that have worked hard uh, to make the four o'clock happen. Firstly, I wanted to thank, of course, my lovely and amazing wife, Gemma. Uh, she worked really hard in getting the kids' work off the ground um, at the four o'clock, and Angie's now taken the baton on with that. Um, Stephen and Ali Collins have been a great support um, for myself in, the, in this, and Dave and Kate have done a great job in getting the worship team active in two services. They've um, 
often doubled up in morning and afternoon, serving in the band, leading worship. They've worked really hard over the last year. Uh, the Lucases, Jackie and Richard, just amazing servants. Jeeves and Catherine have been fantastic support as well. Becca Collins, the Barnards, the Warnies, the Illings. So many people have worked really hard to make this four o'clock happen. And we just, if I haven't mentioned you, uh, apologies, but worked, everyone's worked so hard to make this four o'clock happen. And we're just really grateful for all uh, that you've done. So this week we are going back to our Luke series. We are going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke now for um, about a year, I think now. Um, and we're looking at Luke 11 from verses 37 to 54. There are some challenging words here today uh, from Jesus to religious people. And we can think on first reading on who he's speaking to. We can picture in our minds these kind of cartoon character type baddies, the Pharisees. But we need to, as we're reading it, think about how do we apply it to us? How do we see the challenge put out to the religious leaders and apply it to ourselves? See the legalism and the religious religiosity within us. That's not an easy word to say. So let's move on from... Let's go from verse th Luke 11, verse 37. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisee, you cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but the inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did he who not made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you, lawyers, also. For you load people up with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers. For, <coughs> excuse me, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. So the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary, yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not, you did not enter yourselves and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things. 
lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Wow, some strong words from Jesus here. Let's start from the beginning. He, Jesus has been talking in the previous verses about responding to God and allowing light in. It's what Adam was talking about the last time we looked at Luke, about accepting uh, God's light in. And now he accepts an invitation for a meal with a Pharisee. And he immediately upsets his host. These guys are inviting him in, not to be friendly, or to see if they can start working with Jesus, but to test him. And he doesn't wash his hands. Oh no, Jesus, what are you doing? In, what, in their eyes, this is failure to uphold a religious ritual. It makes them clean, but Jesus is not joining in with their religious games. He's saying, I don't need to wash my hands to be clean before God. I am God. This was a ritual that signified cleansing. It, it was a religious rule added to the word of God, but not part of it. This ritual was to symbolise their holiness and desire to be clean of all the defilements of the world. The Mishnah actually describes how this was to be done. It even gets down to the amount of water. It says to, the, there was enough water to fill one and a half egg cups or eggshells and it was to be poured across the tips of the fingers running down the wrist and then the hands were to be washed and and cleansed symbolizing this cleansing but what these guys loved these guys loved showing on the outside that they were holy but they were ignoring on the inside they were ignoring what was on the inside and that's what god is really interested in what's going on in the, in the inside and this is probably one of the strongest rebukes to the Pharisees that we see from Jesus <clears throat> it says now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish but inside you're full of greed and wickedness you fools you fools did he who made the outside make the inside also Hang on, Jesus. God of love, meek and mild. Jesus is calling these guys fools. For the Pharisees, it meant purity before God. To Jesus, it meant more additional burdens to God's revelation. Firstly, Jesus either reads the guy's thoughts or it's plain to see from uh, the guy's expression. And he is not afraid to confront the behaviour, as we've seen before in Luke. Jesus is more concerned with the issue of the heart. The issue is not hand washing, how clean are your hands, it's how clean is your heart. How does this apply now? Right now we can be obsessed with cleaning our hands worrying about our hygiene, but even now God is still after our hearts. I mentioned last week that my prayer was that we would come out more like God out of this process. God is of course wanting us to be healthy and uh, be sensible about cleaning our hands, but he is more interested in our hearts. What's going on in the inside? 
I read this recently. Someone once said life is basically like a long bad date with yourself. And many of us now are being confronted with the reality of who we really are and it can be exhausting. What is God doing in you right now? I'm not always one for massive self-reflection, constantly looking within. I think I would much rather go and reach others, help others, not focus on self too much, which I think is a good principle most of the time. But I think right now that um, we're in a moment where we can seek and ask God where he wants to refine us on the inside. I, I used this analogy a few months back um, when we were when we met together. Do you remember when we used to be able to meet in person? Um, I talked about how I would invite people around for dinner and they're welcome to go anywhere in my house, pretty much. They can go in my kitchen, go in my dining room, living room, bathroom, etc. But where they're not allowed to go in my house is under the stairs, the cupboard under the stairs, because that's where we put all the junk, all the stuff that we just want to tidy up and not, not let people see. Are we letting God under the stairs of our hearts and our minds and our attitudes that we might have? He wants us to be clean on the inside. Jesus calls the Pharisees fools for only being concerned on what's the outs being concerned for what happens on the outside, their behaviour. It happens throughout the Old Testament. They loved their rituals and their rules more than they loved God. Jesus is after heartfelt love for God and for others. He's asking the Pharisees to exchange in their hearts greed and wickedness. What is coming up in you right now? What is it in this lockdown season or challenging time that we're in? What is he trying to speak to you about right now, about you? For me, he's talking to me and showing me things in lockdown, highlighting behaviour in my children that is just a, a bigger version of my own behaviour what I can be like, what my attitudes are like. This is part of my sanctification process, a journey that we're on. If you think, well, I'm fine, I'm, I'm all okay. Actually, God's speaking to me, isn't really speaking to me about my attitudes or my heart, I'm okay. My inner self, yeah, I think it's all right. Well, you are either not listening, you're not being honest, or you are shutting God out. You're not listening, you're not being honest, or you are shutting God out. He wants to speak. He wants to us to be pure from the inside, and then it will really affect what happens on the outside. Paul makes this statement in Timothy. He says, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscious and sincere faith. James says in James 1.2.7, this is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Moving on. He then, Jesus, starts his kind of six woes to the Pharisees and lawyers from verse 42, he says, woe to you Pharisees. 
for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect the justice and love of God. For those you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues, greeting, greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, you're like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. He's saying here, not that tithing is bad, giving your 10% of your income, uh, but, but what they've done is made it so scrupulous and nitpicky, they're taking herbs from their garden and taking 10% of those, showing that they're doing the right thing whilst ignoring love and justice. And these two things are important, what this text teaches. One thing is, one is that there are more important things than tithing, namely justice and the love of God. It says, woe to you Pharisees, for you neglect justice and the love of God. These are bigger issues than tithing. It's like learning the subject matter in school is, is a bigger issue than getting the A grade. The other thing to notice is that tithing is not unimportant. It is to be done. These I justice and love of God, you ought to have done, but without neglecting the others. In other words, don't neglect tithing, all your income, even the spices and herbs, but let it all be done in the context of justice for people and love for God. Let your concern for people and your passion for the glory of God set the whole tone for your life. Then in that tone of life, let your tithing bring blessing rather than condemnation. What they were doing, they, they were looking for respect and admiration of others, and they weren't doing it out of pure motives. They didn't really care for the poor as they should have. They loved the important seats in the synagogues, and they loved to be greeted and well-known in the marketplace. And we can all fall under that trap. We all want human approval. Again, if you don't think you do, no, I don't need approval from others. Well, I'm not sure if you are being realistic or honest because we all want it. Uh, right now, we can't meet up with loads of people, uh, spend time with others. Some of you might be finding that easier than others. I, I'm finding it difficult. We like to meet with people. We love to have people in our home. We're finding that difficult not to do that. So right now, we are either left with the people we live with or ourselves if we live alone and we can start to really practice now to live our lives for the audience of one. If we do our deeds of righteousness in order to, to gain from people, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 1, he says we've already received our reward. If we're doing it for, for human recognition from, from people, we've already got our reward. So. Let's be seeking God and are we doing it to bless God and others or is it for our own recognition? When he says, woe to you as well, for you are like unmarked graves, people walk over them without knowing it. Jesus is comparing these people to unmarked graves. That would have made people spiritually unclean when they walked over them. He's saying that you're having the effect of making those who come to you coming into contact with you unclean. Matthew 23, 15 says this, Woe to you, 
teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you've succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Wow, that is quite, again, a rebuke from Jesus in Matthew. Religious people, Jesus says, are dead, spiritually dead. But we can look at all the things a religious person might be doing and think, well, they're giving, they outwardly look like they're alive, they're doing all these things, but inwardly they are spiritually dead. They don't know Jesus, they don't love Jesus, they don't enjoy Jesus. Jesus plus anything ruins everything. It's either Jesus or religion. Make your choice, not Jesus plus religion. And now Jesus is on a roll. He says to one, as he's about to speak, one of the lawyers interrupts. He says, one of the lawyers answered him, says, uh, teacher, in saying these things, you're insulting us. He's the son of God, the miracle worker, the promised Messiah. And they say, um, excuse me, you are insulting us. Wow, what a response. I bet he was glad he raised his head above the parapet. This is a typical response from a religious person. They say, I'm offended. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. They, they say they're hurt when they're confronted and they change the subject from their religion to their feelings. But Jesus doesn't get taken off track here. It says, he said to them, woe to you lawyers. So he starts to go into the lawyers as well. For you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of your prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, uh, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers. And it goes on, he says, So the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. He goes for the lawyers who are more worried about their feelings. They load burdens on other people for them to try and reach some level of righteousness. So they have, <clears throat> and they have these religious demands. They've had so many de demands, even on, like on a Sabbath, how far they could walk, what type of knots they could tie, how much weight could be carried. That Healing a person on a Sabbath uh, was forbidden or unlawful, but you could rescue an animal that was trapped. They had all these rules that were just a burden upon people but they were unwilling to lift a finger to help. The law was meant to be a blessing and a source of joy. Instead, they turned it into misery. Then, lastly, what we're looking at today is astonishing. Jesus says that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. It seems harsh. Surely not all the deaths of the prophets, all the prophets, are their fault. Surely. But their forefathers rejected all the prophets. And on all the prophets that, that pointed to the coming Messiah. And now he's here. He's here and you are rejecting the one that all the prophets pointed to. Um, we also see some astonishing words from the crowds at Jesus' trial in Matthew 27. Jesus is on trial with Pilate and Jesus or Barabbas can get to go free. Pilate gives the crowd the option and these Pharisees and these lawyers will have been there. 
And what we read is astonishing. Matthew 27, verse 24, when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead of an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I'm innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Wow. This is your responsibility, Pilate says. And the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Wow. Jesus, back in Luke now, was angry with these guys because they were supposed to lead people to God, but instead they were putting heavy burdens on them. They were supposed to be leading people into life, but taking them into religious death. We must be so aware of this ourselves when we're trying to reach out to people who don't know Christ, who are looking into the Christian faith. We mustn't put across that it's loving Jesus and then having to live in a certain way and have to do certain things. No, we invite people in, we introduce them to Jesus, the wellspring of life and of freedom. That's why I love Alpha, because it allows people to come in to ask questions without judgment, without any expectations, and you walk with people on their journey. We can look at people as well and think, well, are they really a Christian? Because they're not doing certain things, they're not living a certain way. They aren't doing all the things a Christian should be, be doing. But we need to be patient. Discipleship is a journey. And we need to learn to walk with people, pointing them to Jesus all the time. There is also a difference between discipline and legalism. One is trying to earn salvation through doing, and the other is doing something because it is good in and of itself. It draws you closer to God. You do it because you want him. We, when we try to earn favour by reading our Bibles or praying, doing deeds, these are all good things if you're doing it for more of God or for his glory. But if we do them and we feel like we deserve a good life or answer prayer, then we are in trouble. We're still trying to control our own destiny. By doing things, by living a good life, God has to bless me. You're trying to control God and be your own saviour. Religious people obey to get things. Gospel people obey to get God. If you're living a decent life, a good life, and then you think, well, I deserve good treatment and a good life in return, it will not go well for you. Jesus said that religion is reason for an awful lot of misery. Jesus plus religion or works or deeds is death. You and I and everyone who will ever be saved from perishing are saved by works. Not ours, but the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Not what we do, but what he did. Religion is right. It says, you know, you've got to work. It says, here's the list, go and do it. But it doesn't get you anywhere. Jesus comes and says, it's finished. All the work is done. I've done it on the cross. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, died on the cross in our place so we don't have to do all these things to please God because he has already pleased God on our behalf. He took our sin, even our good works, and put it to death on the cross. 
rising again from the death, conquering Satan, redeeming us from religion. We don't have to try and attain our self-righteousness of our own because he has given us his righteousness. So come to Jesus, ask him now, today, right now, to search you and know you, to root out any religiousness in you. Where might you have been trying to achieve or attain or impress where he has already done it? Are you allowing him to speak to you in this time? Clean hands, you might have clean hands at this time, but how's your heart? That's where he's interested in. Come to him. You can come to him right now. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you can come to him right now. And I'm just gonna pray a short prayer. And you can pray it after me. If you wanna invite Jesus into your life, if you wanna be set free from religion and you want that relationship with a living God, you can come to him right now. Just pray these words after me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on the cross. I'm sorry for turning my back on you and for my sin. Now please come and take first place in my life and help me by the help of your Holy Spirit follow you for the rest of my life. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear from you. Um, we have information on our website and social media about how you can contact us. And also, if you wanna pray and ask God to speak to you at this time, why don't you do that right now? And I'm gonna pray again. Lord, thank you that you have come to set us free from law, from our own self-righteousness, from religion, from trying to earn our salvation. You have paid the price. You have set us free. Lord, will you come and speak to us in this time? Speak to us what's not in, pure in our heart. Will you bring to the surface and show us what is not of you? Help us in this sanctification journey. Help us be more like you. Amen. Amen. Okay, thanks for being with us today. We are, if you're watching this live, we're going to be having an after church chat on Zoom at 11.15. You should have got sent the link if you're on the church email list. Um, and don't forget the prayer meeting on Tuesday and the murder mystery that Jesus and Catherine are putting together next Saturday. Uh, thanks for being with us and we will see you soon.